Did he have a witch's spell? That's a long way to go for a James Beard nomination. Possibly confusing, but I like it. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that cannot afford to be sentimental. I'm Kelly Annika. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Do not let this affect your sleep. You're going to need it. Um, I literally have nothing to say to that, <laughs> possibly because being married to you has affected my sleep. Well, I'm sorry. For the better. Oh, oh, hey. Yeah, it was a compliment that sounded like an insult. <laughs> that is the best kind. You're welcome. Great. It's hard to say what's going on here. <laughs> That's true. Welcome back, cousins. Yeah. Yeah. We are here to talk about Shackleton. That's right. Starring Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. My favorite actor on my favorite continent. This is great. Yeah, this really is right in the middle of the Venn diagram of things Tom likes. (laughs) Kenneth Branagh, check. Sir Ernest Shackleton, check. Yeah. Antarctica, check. Dudes being dudes on a boat together, check. Mm -hmm. Done and done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, as we'll discuss, it's more, it throws in a bunch of other stuff that is not in my Venn diagram. Yeah, that is true. We have uh, many thoughts on ways that this Shackleton movie, miniseries, whatever it is, could have been better. Indeed. But before we get to that, it's time to name our cousin of the week. Excellent. Cousin Madison writes in, Hello, Kelly and Tom. I just finished listening to your Anne of Green Gables podcast. And at the first mention of Matthew, I had a lot of feelings. I'm kind of glad Tom thought he got kicked by a cow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of glad Tom thought he got kicked by a cow because it made his death a little less traumatic for me. (laughs) As a cousin from Toronto, now living in Vancouver, one of Torontians' favorite hobbies is to relate to each other our sightings of local celebrities. The most frequent ones were the cast of the original Degrassi. I saw the actor who played Snake at a bar that I worked at, and I was pretty excited until I realized he was just kind of an old drunk. (laughs) My best sighting happened to be at an art show of my dad's. I was minding my own business, and in walked Miss Stacy, Anne's teacher. I adored Miss Stacy, and 12-year-old me was so excited that I could just barely work up the nerve to ask her for an autograph. My mother actually asked her, and I had a lovely chat with dear Miss Stacy, as Anne would say. <laughs> the sighting that made me the saddest was actually when I went to a play at some local Toronto theater in high school. Watching the play, I realized I recognized one of the actors, and lo and behold, it was Gilbert Blythe. Now, I had been in love with Gilbert Blythe since my sister and I began to binge watch our Anne of Green Gables VHS. Considering that the movie came out four years before I was born, I'm pretty sure Gilbert was one of my first fictional loves. Him and Schmendrick the Magician from The Last Unicorn. Don't judge. (laughs) I was devastated because Gilbert was playing a drunk, obnoxious crook or something in this play and momentarily destroyed the pristine picture I had of him in my head. For the record, I do realize that Gilbert is not a real person, but I choose to believe that the actor who plays him, Jonathan Crombie, is exactly like him in real life and would never sully himself with bad drunk acting. (laughs) Finally, one of the best moments of my Anne of Green Gables watching life was when I realized that Dave Foley and Bruce McCullough were both in the sequel. This was a time when I was 13 and taking Second City classes and was totally obsessed with Kids in the Hall. Bruce McCullough plays Diana Barry's husband, Fred Wright, and David Foley plays some obnoxious dude that Anne dances with in order to make old rich guy jealous 
Anyway, I think the Anne of Green Gables recap might have been one of my favorites, even though you are so, so wrong and Gilbert is a total babe. (laughs) Also, I've attached the picture that my mom took of my Anne of Green Gables porcelain doll at a farm. That doll still sits on my bookshelf and terrifies all doll-fearing people. (laughs) Thank you for continually being awesome, Cousin Madison. P.S. My partner doesn't listen to the podcast with me, but he's heard it on enough that he can do a pretty killer Tom impression. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Cousin Madison, for an awesome telegram. Indeed. We'll post her indeed creepy photo of this Hand of Green Gables doll, again, if we don't forget. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, my observations are I'd love to see any old drunk members of the Degrassi cast. That would be very exciting. Oh, my God. Caitlin? That would be great. Yeah. It would be great Lynn, in fact. <laughs> Do you think she names drop, name drops Kevin Smith in the way that he completely, like tanked her entire plot line where she was married to Joey. I, 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 <laughs> because Kevin Smith got to take over Degrassi for a hot minute. She was like, hey, mind if I run things? And they're like, uh, go ahead. We got nothing. They were like, oh, he's more famous than us. Oh, right. We are contractually obligated to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I had forgotten that Dave Foley was in... Anne of Green Gables, the sequel. Right. I obviously had no idea. That sounds like the sort of role that Dave Foley would be in now. Uh, well, but I mean, look, the the very beginning and the very end are very similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, he, you know, he was like a very young, you know, Canadian oh, yeah, toff, sure. and Anne was like romancing. Listen, we'll watch it. We'll have <laughs> Kevin O'Shea back. All right. I already told him drunkenly last night. I was like, Dale loves you, man. Come back on our podcast. Uh, yeah. So, cousins, your praise has been passed on in drunken form. So, uh, yeah, and I forwarded some emails that were nice. Whatever. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, Gilbert Blythe is a totally solid first fictional crush, and he's a little bit more of a person in the books than he is in the in the movies. Fair enough, for sure. Um, I was actually I just read just on the New York Times this past weekend their little travel thing was uh, Prince Edward Island. And like finding Green Gables and mm-hmm. how does it, you know, how does it stack up? Right, and it was like uh, pretty good. They were they were pretty much pro Prince Edward Island. Yeah, I mean it's you know, whatever. I'll go. Yeah, let's do it. I'll go right now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Jk, we have to do this podcast. Right. Um. Oh man, I just I I keep wanting to watch Hand of Green Gables the sequel. And, you know, we keep not doing it, A, because we don't own it, and B, like, we're, like, terribly busy right now. We are. Watching other things. Right. Like, Outlander's on right now. Right. The Honorable Woman's on right now. I know you don't care about Outlander that much. Not that much, but it's reasonably interesting. Yeah, it's, like, fun. We got this Simpsons marathon going. Oh, yeah, that's great. Listen. Well, we'll I've got this, I'm, you know, I'm watching this Penn and Teller magic show every week, so I got that going for myself. Yeah, that's true, you do. I'm not watching anything without you. Because I'm really committed to this marriage. <laughs> I'd be more committed if you appreciated Penn and Teller. Uh, yeah, and if I was home more often. Listen, <laughs> Tom, I saw a post on Facebook today that says a perfect marriage is two imperfect people who refuse to give up on each other. And I'm perfect. <laughs> so, so we we're, can't have a perfect Right, marriage. so we're doomed. All right, that's fair. <laughs> so, sorry, cousins. Enjoy this while it lasts. <laughs> because... We're not long for this marriage. Way to be a downer, Facebook. Yeah, well, they are running those thought experiments on us all the time. <laughs> That's true. Which doesn't bother me as much as it seems like it should. <laughs> that and, like, 
all their data collecting. I'm like, uh, listen, the people who are complaining about Facebook's invasion of their privacy are also the same people who complain when their ads aren't targeted specifically <laughs> enough. Well, it's like, you know. They're like, why would I get a dog food ad? I don't have a dog. Like, you know, I don't have to give Facebook any data, and I do it anyway, so I clearly think it's worthwhile. So, you know, I could stop. No, I couldn't. No, I, I could. Like, you couldn't. Yeah, like you're I really stuck couldn't. with it. I am stuck but with I, it. But I really could. I would get by. I double dog dare you. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> I just said I'm fine with it. Oh, speaking of social media, uh-huh. I should announce. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did post this on all the socials, but in case you have not liked us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, which you definitely should do. Right. Or if you like us on Facebook and we haven't paid Facebook enough money to make sure that this actually got to you, which is sort oh, of. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's. Wow. Now you're angry. Well, yeah. They Boy, tr- now I know how to get your codes. <laughs> well, that was more of a bait and switch. It used to be like if you had people that liked you, like they would get all your stuff. Ah, yeah, and then they started saying. being like, oh, now you got to pay for We it. have great reach, actually. I don't yeah, think I mean, we have a problem with it. So great. Listen, I'm sure everybody wants to be <laughs> privy to this conversation <laughs> about our insights and statistics on our Facebook page. <laughs> Look, we only ever talk about our podcast while we're actually doing it. Yeah, so. we never put any effort into it outside of the podcast and when you know we post on social media right and by we i mean me right uh, which you should follow and yeah. and uh as many of you know although it doesn't come up that often on this podcast i am a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and i am releasing my first album which is a short ep called 20 minutes to sell yep uh, it's available on bandcamp you can go to bandcamp.kellyanakin.com and see it there and we'll or be running um, the other eye. Yeah, the other. I don't know. Yeah, Listen, Kellyannikin.bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp, yell at your screen, <laughs> Kellyannikin, and it will appear. All right. Um, and we'll probably be running some uh, special promos for it, exclusively for Up Yours Downstairs listeners. That's right. So please, uh, again, really would behoove you to be following us on social media. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you uh, like the podcast, we generally don't like ask for money and stuff. Um, you know, we don't expect money from our listeners. That right. seems. Frankly, anti-socialist. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you like what we do and you want to support us, yeah, definitely pick that up. Uh, yeah. That would be great. And I think you'll like it. It's a good album. I agree. I'm I proud of it. Yeah, yeah, Tom was there. You can't really hear him laughing, but uh, he's there. Yeah. He's in there. He's <laughs> laughing. He's having a good time. I am. Uh, anyway, okay. So this has been like a much chattier I think we really don't want to recap Shackleton. <laughs> I think well, what we really want to do is just talk. Yeah. So we're, we're going to kind of have asses. It's not even like we didn't like it so much. Yeah, it was just too long. It's just too long. Yeah. I mean, and particularly the first half, there's – they could – the first half – it's three hours total plus – the first half could easily have been 20 minutes rather than... You know, though, it could have been so much worse because if this had been a Baron Julian Fellows joint, mm-hmm. the whole three hours would have just been that first half <laughs> and, like, getting into the vagaries of fundraising in, you know, whatever the hell year this was. 1909? Yeah. Uh, no, this was 1914. Oh, right. right oh, because yeah. of World War One. <laughs> right. Man, you guys, I cannot internalize the dates of World War One. I've tried. It's like that and the rules of football. I cannot, I cannot keep that straight. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, and then he would have ended it like right, right as they were been, sailing. It would have been like the the last line would have been like, "Oh, look, there's an iceberg." Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! It basically would have been Titanic, Blood and Steel, right? Uh, except less blue. <laughs> yeah, 
So, um, yeah, so let's, let's get into, the, I mean, listen, I, my feeling is, again, we never talk about the podcast if we're not on the <laughs> podcast. You know, let's just zip through this, man. Yeah. Like, we can talk about all the interesting parts of it yeah. for longer, but like a lot of this shit doesn't need to be parsed right. because it is so fucking boring yeah so we start off with kb as i refer to kenneth Brimhoff. oh my in your notes yeah. or like personally oh when, when you chat. write when you write him your fan letters then you say xoxoxo <laughs> well when we're texting and, and like, you're like oh you know let me be your horatio <laughs> i'm ever so smart yeah well no when we're texting i'm like hey kb when are you gonna do lear jk lol yeah. <laughs> Does he write back in all caps? He seems like he writes back in all caps. <laughs> For the last time, how did you retain this telephone number? Emma! <laughs> In joke for those of you who are aware that for a brief period of time, Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh were married, which is like, did he have a witch's spell? Like, how did that even happen? Well, I like, I like the idea too that he's still like Emma, like just in his apartment by himself. <laughs> yeah, he's totally like Grey Gardensing in it in London somewhere. Right. Oh my god, or Miss Havishiming. It's hard to make both of those into a verb. <laughs> FYI. That's true. That's difficult. Well. Uh, so anyway, KB is talking in German, which was disturbing at first because even though I got this through totally legitimate means, I was worried <laughs> I might have accidentally gotten a German language. Oh, good point. Yeah. I feel like maybe I was kind of worried about that, but then I think well, I got drunk. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> also, fun fact, that it, we did have subtitles, but only in Dutch. So. Um, did we? Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't turn them on. But oh, yeah. I was like, I don't, I would have, I am Dutch. <laughs> I would have remembered seeing the Dutch. Well, isn't the Dutch language? No, Dutch is different than German. It's different. I mean, it's very similar, but it's a different language. Fucking Germans. <laughs> Starting wars, fucking up languages. Is there anything they can't do? Um, well, they do refer to one breed of penguin as a Kaiser penguin, which was amusing. I want a Kaiser penguin. <laughs> I want a Kaiser penguin right away. I know. <laughs> every time there was a penguin, this was three hours, and every time you saw a penguin, you said you wanted one. Well, they're fucking adorable. They're very, look, I want a penguin too. I know. Listen, I, I can't. The only reason I want to have a baby is so I can dress it up like a penguin, like, all the time. I know. I can't tell you how many times I read Mr. Popper's Penguins and angrily, internally refused to ever see the film adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> no, you outwardly were very clear. <laughs> no, but I, not as often as I was inwardly. Oh. Which was every time I heard about it, like, oh, you sons of bitches, I'm not going to see this piece of crap. <laughs> if we ever get rich, what I'd like to do for you is to, like, get, you know, a big network to remake that as a miniseries for you and like you get complete creative control well all right you'll be I mean, my think, um you know marion davies in uh citizen kane i uh, forget what her fake name is uh yeah but she was supposed to be marion davies right she was even though marion davies as we were schooled was actually independently wealthy right yeah don't let people don't let citizen kane fool you about marion davies yeah i mean she... like it's pretty on point about uh <laughs> william randolph hearst yeah he was pretty terrible but like mary Davies, you know she worked hard for the money yeah so so hard for the money <laughs> right so you better treat her memory right <laughs> yeah you better especially <laughs> if you're talking to docents at hearst castle oh man they will get they will fight you <laughs> yeah. about mary Davies. <laughs> they will yeah anyway also go to hearst castle oh yeah 
where I know we affiliated with <laughs> the Hearst Castle or, uh, you know, the Hearst trust or whoever pays for that right but uh oh man it's so great yeah. and definitely see the terrible movie <laughs> right oh man what's it called like wings of a mansion or something uh, no uh building the dream <laughs> it's not even a good bad title we should we should get that and do it for this podcast oh my god we should it's not the appropriate time period yeah sure it is some of the artifacts are <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> we've we've ventured a field here. All right, listen. We've done absolutely everything we can to avoid talking about Shackleton. So now it is time. Yes. Once more onto the breach. Like I'm like I would rather talk about every other Kenneth Branagh movie right now. Well, we can't. I know. He's really good in this though. He is. I basically think he played like this is the most, you know, realistic approximation of what kenneth branagh must be like in reality yeah no i think i think you're right which is crazy as a fucking loon right but he gets a phone call indicating that amundsen has made it to the south pole and they don't know if scott has made it back so this starts our time period amundsen and scott were both sort of racing each other for the south pole at the same time and uh, amundsen got there first and came back and told everybody and scott got there second and then died and you know, they eventually tracked down his diary and everything. It was like, oh, he got there. Um, so he became did a big... Entire, did Scott's entire expedition die? Well, not... Um, the the three three or four that made the push for the pole... Okay. Like, he had a whole party that was back with the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is just helping me put, like, Antarctic exploration in a different... Con- it's, it's like pushing for the summit of a mountain. Right, okay. exactly. Exactly. Great. Let's all go read Into Thin Air <laughs> and discuss it later. Never read that. Oh, my God, it's so good. Well, that's what everybody says. All right. Well, when you I have tell to them read I that. haven't read it. Well, you really need to read it. <laughs> okay. Cousins, please weigh in on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Um, and that's just to give the background on Shackleton. He had uh, been on an expedition with Scott, Scott's previous one, that was just sort of, it was the first, like, sort of serious one. They weren't really going for the pole, but they were just, like, laying the groundwork. Uh, and he got in, there's debate, but he and Sh- Scott sort of fell out. And he got sent back early from the expedition because he was sick, supposedly. But people also think that Scott and him just kind of hated each other, and Scott like just wanted to get him out of the expedition. Uh, but there's there's controversy, and, and nobody's really sure exactly where the blame lays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually kind of backfired a little bit because then Shackleton was the first one back from this expedition. Was he Backleton? <laughs> he was Backleton. <laughs> and uh, so everybody was like, he was much in demand mm-hmm. at that point. And so that kind of upped his profile, even as Scott meant it as a disgrace. Wow. Uh, so Shackleton definitely seemed not to like Scott after that. And he went on his expedition specifically to outdo Scott uh-huh. and show that he could run a better expedition than Scott could. Well, he does, spoiler alert, manage to not die on this one. Right. And uh, on the previous one as well, and he, you know, by far shattered the record for previous South, got within 100 miles of the South Pole, but then had to turn back because they had enough food to get there at that point, but not enough food to get back. Yeah, it's pretty important to get back. Yeah, I mean, and they barely did. Like, it was close. Uh, I got that impression from various scenes in this movie. Yeah, Uh, but that was, he was with uh, Frank Wilde on that one. And he's like the second in command on this one. He's got dark hair, I think maybe... Does he? Does what, he call him Skipper? He, I think he is does. Is he the Skipper? No, no, no. He's not the Skipper. Wild. Um, at the end, when Shackleton sails off, he leaves Wild in charge on the island. Okay. I don't know. Listen, every person involved in this story named Frank 
all I can see is mustache. <laughs> like, uh, did, did they say Mr. Early? Yeah. Which is weird because the Brits always give us shit for saying herbs and not herbs. Mm. But this guy's name is Hurley. Right. Like, as in lost. Right. And they're calling him Mr. Early. I'm like, fuck you, Great Britain. Well, as always. Yeah. Get your shit together. <laughs> right. Um, Receive pronunciation, my ass. Yeah. But on that last push back from their farthest south, Wild was really sinking fast. He had the worst, like, scurvy or whatever they mm-hmm. were suffering from. And Rickets, probably, they also. Were, they were rationed to one biscuit a day. And one day, Shackleton forced Wilde to accept his biscuit. And he wrote in his diary, like, underlining every word, like, by God, I will never forget it. Thousands of pounds could not have bought that biscuit. I will always remember this, you know. Yeah. Just really, like, you know. And In, he was, in Shackleton's diary or in? Wilde wrote okay. that in Wilde's diary and was loyal to Shackleton forever, as mm-hmm. we, you know, as we see. So anyway, that's just sort of the background to where Shackleton got to where he is. And now he's just found out that the South Pole has been reached, that's he'll he'll never be the yeah. first to reach the South Pole. God, life's depressing. It is. Well, especially in England, because then we see him walking with his family on some miserable English beach. Yeah, it's like you can't even <laughs> have a good time. Right. Um, and he's supposedly going to focus on business now, some cigarette factory he has going. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Hilarious. Right. Oh, what's your day job, Shackleton? I own a cigarette factory. <laughs> right. No well, big... And it, it gets reflected in this, but he had a ton of business schemes all the time, and they were all disasters. Every single one. He was not good at anything except, one, raising money for expeditions to the Antarctic, two, keeping people alive once he was there. He was terrible at everything else in his life. I I don't know. You know, I'm always very self-centered about these inspirational tales of leadership and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know. I found this whole movie to be very comforting mm-hmm. because, you know... I'm a person who holds myself to like a high standard and like I want to do good, big, important things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this person was essentially a failure, Mm -hmm. but he didn't fail at two things, as you point out. And it's like, you know, it's fine. Like we're all, that's my message to you cousins. (laughs) We're all fine and we're all doing great. Right. I mean, unless you're like not, but... Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's also, you say it's like Kenneth Branagh, and I think it's in this way, too, that one of the things he could do was raise money for these expeditions, because it's such a ridiculous ask. Well, and that's the thing, too. I think about that, and like, you know, he raised all this money for things that essentially didn't succeed. Yeah, because... Like, people still gave it to him. Like, people want new things. They want things to be better, and I found that also very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some crazy rich people out... Right now, there's some crazy rich person out there who's going to give me money to, like, do something good in the world. Yeah. I hope. Sadly, right now, they're prepping for Burning Man, but... Well, listen, <laughs> nobody's perfect. We can't get into that. <laughs> Lord oh, knows. Yeah. If we get into Burning Man, we'll be here for four hours. <laughs> right. Um, Long story short, cousins, we're a it. Yeah. Uh, but, because Scott's expeditions were, like, through the Royal Geographic right. Society and were more or less, and Shackleton's were just, like, indie productions you know and he was he was he was uh bootstrapping the kickstarter of the edwardian age he was and as we see in the you know they show it here you know part of what he would do was just as soon as he had any money just start like making plans and getting the ball rolling and going to people and being like look we leave now if you don't give us money we're all gonna die in the antarctic like which is a really great ask yeah 
I should probably be like, listen, I need money to teach at-risk youths about sketch comedy in Antarctica. And we're going right now. And if you don't give us money, then they will die in the frozen wastes. Right. That I think be- that will be very successful. I think. If you'd like to donate, visit www.femikaze.com. That's F-E-M-I-K-A-Z-E. Uh, so KB, there's also this whole thing with his brother. Uh, Who is his brother again? His Risley. brother's... Oh, right. Risley from Morris. Yeah. God, remember how great Morris was? Yeah. Also featured in Pressing British Beach. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, Hugh Grant was so cute. Wow. Ah, oh, man. I, yeah. need to, I need to watch that again, apparently. I'm getting all flustered. Because his brother's like... He's like, oh, I seem to be in trouble. And KB is like, oh, you know, these things blow over. I'm sure it's all fine. He's like, yeah, I think I stole like 60,000 pounds or something. And KB's like, oh, you know, taxes. It's all so confusing. And I'm like, what? No, I think if I stole the equivalent of 60,000 anything, I would know how I did it. Yeah. Like, you can't just steal 60,000 of anything. Right. And I wish I had looked at the details of this, but all I can tell you is that in 1909... His brother was suspected and then later exonerated of having stolen the Irish crown jewels. <laughs> so, and I didn't, I, again, I meant to go back and re- read more about Wait a minute, wait the, a minute. Number one, <laughs> how does Ireland even have crown jewels? They, uh, you know, like, it's, it's one of those ding- deals where it's like each of the little components is, you know, the king is king of... England, Scotland, and Ireland, so they've each got their own kingdom, even though they're all united in well, one crown. that seems like a bit much. Well... That's like every state having a flag. There, there's a reason we were like, maybe let's not have a king anymore in America, because it is seems kind of dumb. Uh, anyway, secondly, who let this fucker get anywhere near them? <laughs> Look at the guy. He's clearly not to be trusted. Very seedy. Oh, yes. my God. Um, so then... Hucksters. All of them. All of them hucksters. Right. So there's this woman that is maybe his brother's wife, but KB is like then alone with her. Um, and it's like, what's this deal? Uh, but anyway, it's like, you know what? My fundraising isn't going well, but I'm running an office and getting things th- these things started. No, I, I love that because he's like, hey, wife, I don't have any money. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to go rent an office. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, you can just do things. Mm-hmm. He shows up at the office. There's some girl already there for the secretary job, so he hires her. Cause he, and this is I actually just read. He was very unorthodox in his hiring. Like, if mm-hmm. he just liked the look of you, or, you know, he would ask people for the expedition, like, random questions, like if they could sing or whatever, um, because he was more interested in, in personality than... Uh, well, it's a good thing he did, because when they got stuck on that boat forever, they needed to have a musical review. They, yeah. No, it, uh, it worked out. Chemistry is important. Um, KB's wife, by the way, complaining all this time, <gasps> is Lady Flincher. Lady Flincher! Yeah. Susan! Yes. We're shrimpy! <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's very good. Uh, oh yeah, she's great. Kind of a pointless role, but she's very good in it. She has one really good scene, which we'll get to later. We will. KB gets a rich old lady to write him a check. Uh, she's actually- Oh, a- she's played by, um- Mrs. Jennings, I believe. Yeah. But it's in Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. when uh, the Dashwoods have to go live in that cottage. Right. Uh, she's the mother of Sir John, whatever the fuck. Right. Uh, you know, anyway, she's the one who's always teasing Emma Thompson about Mr. F. <laughs> yeah. 
So his bro gets sent off to jail, and then KB has Shakespeare-themed sex with... Uh, and Beth Davids. Yeah. Oh, my God. may or may not be his sister-in-law. Okay, she's not. Okay. We do eventually... It's just that she's his mistress, but she is always hanging out with him and his brother, and I'm like, what? Okay. It's just weird. It is weird. It's really weird, and I really don't care about this extramarital affair. Right. And I generally enjoy them in fiction. No, you're always telling people to have affairs. I know. And yet, in this instance... I just... It's... I... Does banging this lady get you to Antarctica? No. No. You need to kick it to the curb. Right. You need to focus. You need to streamline. <laughs> what are your goals, Shackleton? <laughs> what are your goals? Yeah, so it's it's definitely – it's basically just switching between him and the office, like, dealing with applicants. Uh, they have three inboxes for mad, hopeless, and possible. <gasps> I need an inbox like that on my desk. <laughs> yeah. Some guy has some invention that might work that'll help. Uh, we see uh, Mr. Weasley playing golf with uh, KB and going on and on about good health and that's what matters and blah blah blah. So uh, you know, and this is this is how you raise money: is you go play golf and listen to rich people spout their idiotic theories. Still about to life. this day, yeah. Uh, there's a, a good little scene. We've seen a couple scenes of the Royal Geographic Society harumphing. They have a dope map. <laughs> they do. I mean. <laughs> You kind of hope so. Yeah, that's <laughs> like they just have like a really like dinky map. And they're like, oh, this is from the 17th century. Like, yeah, some of these islands turned out to be like clouds, like you know. But they are sort of interrogating KB about his plan, um, and like, uh what what is worthwhile, and then the fact that he's dealing with all these industrialists and all that, and he points out that scientists don't pay for science. Yeah. Which is a good observation. Yeah. There's some good zingers. Overall, the dialogue in this is not good. Uh, and the direction is weird. Oh, and the soundtrack is terrible. The soundtrack is The awful. soundtrack is like Shutter Island levels of freaking awful. Yeah. I think he bangs that mistress again because I wrote down that the sex scenes in this miniseries are like the story scenes in porn. <laughs> like just, ah, get to the Antarctic. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we learned that the ship is going to be called Endurance after the Shackleton family motto, which is by endurance we conquer. And by Shackleton family motto, you mean this thing you just made up right now, right? <laughs> right. Like, come on, who has a fucking motto? Uh, British people. Ugh. I know. Um, Good job, Brits. <laughs> Way to be the worst. Uh, there's an awkward family dinner that results in KB yelling at the kids and sending them upstairs. But then he tells his wife that he's going to Scotland to raise more money and he apologizes to his kids. Um, and it's a weird family dynamic. Yeah, it is a really weird family dynamic. Yeah. I mean, he's also clearly bipolar. So that doesn't help anybody. Right. Uh, he meets with a Sir James Caird up in Scotland, and that guy's like being concerned about various things. And KB just goes nuts. He's like, "God damn it! I'm doing this thing, and it's gonna happen." Blah 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 blah. And James Caird is like, "All right, you're crazy. I'll write you this check." Yeah. So, uh, this room looked a lot to me like the room that Mike Myers briefs Michael Fassbender in in *Inglorious <laughs> Bastards*. I just wanted to point that out. That's fair. In case there's like a website out there that like tracks these things like rooms right you know a room with a room uh <laughs> i don't know it's like that you know the recycled no, 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 no i know i just like that title <laughs> room with a room yeah uh some guys show up down at shackleton house 
and Lady Flincher answers, and they want like a thousand pounds or something for something, probably related to that shady brother. And like none of this goes in it. We know he's going to get to go on the expedition. Yeah, like, and I genuinely, I think I care less about his brother than I care about the wife mistress subplot. Agreed. Like it's not even like a love triangle. Like that's giving it too much dignity. Yeah. Like it's just. It's terribly communicated, like, who these people all are to each other, and I don't care. I'm like, again, are they getting into the Antarctic? Right. Cut them loose. No, because, like, it moves fast in the wrong ways. Like, it doesn't give us any sort of grounding for his relationships with these people. Uh, So, yeah, Austria's declared war, so everybody's like, what? Uh, Some of the men that have already assembled are on the ship, and uh, KB tells them that they're all, of course, free to fight if war is declared, and has volunteered all their services to the Admiralty and asked that if possible they could all serve as one unit, possibly on a destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe Frank Wilde sort of pulls him aside and is talking about him, and KB snaps on him. He's like, you don't really think they'd let us all stay together, you idiot. You know? He's like, you know, you're the one who said that. Right. Like, you brought it up, dude. Right. But he just said it because he wanted everybody to feel, you know, special. But they get a telegram from the Admiralty. It is one word. It says, proceed. It's from Winston Churchill. It is, yes. The Winston Churchill of the Churchill Churchills. Yes. Uh, just a few weird years away from nearly destroying his career forever by supporting the landings at Gallipoli. <laughs> wow. See, again, listen, everyone. Life's just a series of seemingly uh, uncomeback-frommable failures, followed by, you know, World War II. Yeah. Nixon said that. Oh, did he? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but he, that, that was pretty much Nixon's life. Well, we're both Scorpios, so. <laughs> so KP arrives in some fancy room, and some guy, I wrote down, uh, but then crossed that out and corrected, King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, this movie's so bad at like being like, oh, hey, here's information for you about this person. Right. But he says that he's, you know, very worried about the war. I just thought it was, like, the first lord of the Admiralty or whatever. Oh, yeah, I did, too. And then it turns out, oh, nope, king. Yeah. Uh, And he gives him a flag and tells him to bring the flag back. Yeah. Everybody's talking about World War I, and I'm like, they really needed an It Gets Worse video for (laughs) World War I. Like, they're all optimistic. I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, oh, it's really not fine. It really is not. Uh, so KB hugs his family goodbye, heads off to the ship. There's various milling about and setting arrangements. Uh, apparently the dog man uh, just, like, left and quit the expedition. I was <laughs> right. thinking, like, dog man, like, you know, a man <laughs> who is right. a dog. As, you know, the shaggy yeah. DA, basically. Um, <laughs> or, you know, like a circus freak. You know, everybody's go-to reference, the Shaggy DA. <laughs> Listen, I watched that a lot in grade school, and I, like, they just had, like, a can, like, on a film projector, they oh, had it. I, I believe And you. it was, like, the only thing my dumb school had for us to watch. <laughs> At one moment in 1983, we had a surplus of $14. <laughs> Sorry. The shaggy, t- not even the good one, not even the shaggy dog. Right. This will certainly appreciate in value. <laughs> students to pursue a career in law or shaggy or law. being a dog. <laughs> 
Judging from what I've seen of my grade school compatriots on Facebook, most of them have uh, pursued the latter. <laughs> well, Godspeed. <laughs> I'm so pleased that I made you laugh that hard. Like, that just, I don't know. Yeah. That's why I do this. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, that mistress is there. Ugh. Right. And she's all like, oh, blah, 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 come stand close to me in a compromising manner. So he does. And then his wife rolls up and is all like, what? Um, and he sees her and he's like, oh, uh, you know, this is my sister I never told you about. She knows what's <laughs> up. Uh, but she just came because the brother is getting out of prison and she thought he should know that. And honestly, I'm not sure why. But he goes to prison and, like, welcomes his brother out of it. Uh, so then they have uh, an infidelity dinner. <laughs> I wrote down. Oh, right. I think right. it was his brother. I'm like, what? Like, everybody, like, bring a date, but it better not be your spouse. <laughs> that is an interesting themed party, actually. <laughs> I think it's just a key party. No, key party, you go with people and then you leave. Thanks, right. Ang Lee. Um... <laughs> An interesting theme party. <laughs> like, you're just, like, you're projecting, like, images of, like, Bill Clinton on the walls. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we'll make this happen. Yeah. We Infidelity won't. party at our house, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Beth Davids, you're not invited. <laughs> Still mad at you about being in this movie. <laughs> She's so sad. It's She's not even her fault. Listening to this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I thought you liked me. Remember my guest arc on Mad Men? I already decided who I would cheat with for this party. <laughs> well, I hope she didn't call. It was, it was going to be Kenneth Branagh. That was actually my first thought, but I felt like that was unoriginal. Well, since they're like kind of together in this movie. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Listen. We'll talk about the infidelity party <laughs> offline and make amends with M. Beth Davis <laughs> on our own time. We'll send her a fruit basket. Oh, totally. But it is pretty cool. Like, the wife asks what the mistress's nickname is, which is Mouse, which is weird. Like, that's a stupid name yeah. for a lover. Yeah, but like, apparently Shackleton has George W. Bush syndrome and gives everybody a nickname except his wife. She's the only one that doesn't have one. No, and she was asked what it would be, and she said it would be honey. And she's like, isn't that pathetic? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. this is She does such a good job. She does. She's very ill-served by this movie. Right. Um, But that's just such a devastating yeah. scene. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got all kind of nicknames for you. Right. Yeah, which I won't share yeah, here. Yeah, we're not getting into They're that. They're private. We, look, we just learned from The Simpsons about oversharing, so... <laughs> You have nicknames for me, though, right? Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Great. Yeah, so let's move on. All right. Just checking. <laughs> you, you know I always call you Mouse. <gasps> ah! <laughs> so, yeah. That old lady tells KB that she'll keep an eye on his family and says to go to the pole, blah, blah, blah. Um, Hurley gets onto the Endurance. He's a photographer that, like, rolled up one day and, like, demanded to be let in and got in. 
Um, so he becomes a pretty major character, uh, partly because his photographs and film wound up like that's really what kept the the expedition like what made it famous again was when sort of people kind of rediscovered that footage and those pictures mm-hmm. and they're like wow this is pretty cool um so the endurance is pretty fucked up they ran out of coal and had to like chop up the deck for fuel and you know once you let people sort of chop things up with axes they tend to go overboard <laughs> uh so kb gets on the ship uh sort of officially uh tells everybody that their lives are all going to depend on each other um, he meets a cat that has been brought along, um, m- Mr. Chippy, I believe the cat's name is. What a stupid name. Well, you know, when you're going on a polar expedition, you can name your own cat. Fine. <laughs> I'm going to name it Penguin. <laughs> Possibly confusing, but I like it. <laughs> you're not invited. <laughs> oh, all right. That would be mean. That would be really mean, actually. It would be the meanest thing <laughs> yeah. I could do to you. Pretty much. Like, hey, I'm going to Antarctica. Bye. Yeah, that would be awful. Oh, my God. We really would get a divorce. I think we would. I think we would, I'd have too. no choice at that point. Well, that's interesting. I never knew that about us. Yeah. There is a reason that we would get divorced, and it's because I go to Antarctica without you. Right. <laughs> it's important to know your limits. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, some drunk guy is drunk down down in the galley or whatever, so... Uh, KB, like, picks him up and, like, hauls him away, like, very, like, you know, angrily, and chews out the captain who has been running things. Is the captain the skipper? Yes. Um, Okay. Boy, I really should have paid more attention to Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Right. Uh, And basically says that from now on, he is taking over, and he will still refer to the captain like a skipper in front of everybody and pretend that he is still in charge, Mm -hmm. but he's not. Because he did a shit job with the first part of the expedition. Yeah, like, rule number one, don't let everybody have a drunk party the day the boss is showing up. Right. That's like, silly. That's, yeah. He really should And if you're not sure when the boss is showing up, guess what? No drunk parties for you. Right. Uh, he also tells the photographer early that uh, he has sold all the rights to his photographs. And Hurley is like, what? And he's like, yeah, uh, what are you going to do about it? And Hurley's like, uh, nothing apparently. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So that's, that was pretty cold. Um, a couple guys roll up and volunteer and they accept one of them and not the other. Tell them there's no place for kids on this journey. Welshy. <laughs> <laughs> He's Welsh. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> You're way better at character exposition than this movie. <laughs> that's true. The other guy's Canadian. Yes. Yes, he is. They were basically just like, uh, we need a job, and we see a ship that is loading boxes onto it. We'll, whatever it's... Well, and they had heard that they were short. Right, right. Because they hustled that dude off or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The photographer actually early is trying to leave in a huff, but KB promises some money. Then we see them having dinner with the Argentinian government, which... (sighs) But Evita's not there. Yeah, Kelly got very briefly excited. It's pre-Vita. It is. And there's a penguin. That's <gasps> fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's around. It's on the dining table. I want one. At this formal dinner. Right. Which is kind of weird. It is a little bit weird. Oh, man. This actually, this part made me think of one of the worst Madeline Langle books of all time <laughs> called Troubling a Star. And like Vicky Austin, who sucks. <laughs> um, 
she befriends this eccentric old lady who's her maybe boyfriend's grandmother and i'm like some bitches have all the luck <laughs> uh but she gets an all expenses paid trip to antarctica mm. and she's a fucking poet <laughs> so she's always writing stupid poems about dumb shit <laughs> but anyway they stop in the falklands and there they meet like the cook whose name is cook uh-huh. his brother is like this weird eccentric that like got attacked by a seal but like he like has a lot of like cryptic information about like this like nuclear plot and look i can see by the look on your face <laughs> that you're like this is not a book it shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. look there's like i mean i'll say this i think there's a prince that makes out with vicky austin there's like this dude from like russia trying to unload nuclear waste somehow and none of it makes any fucking sense i'll say this one good excuse for eccentricity seal attack oh yeah totally i think it's like well you know what i would have much rather read an entire book about this dude (laughs) yeah rather than the rest of the book which is all of these fucking hippies telling vicky austin how good her bad poems are well, like, yeah. oh, she reads so many of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, I've clearly got strong feelings <laughs> about this that I yeah. had not examined in many years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, KB reads a letter that he wrote to the Chronicle, which is sort of like his sponsoring paper um, to the men. And the San Francisco Chronicle? No. Oh. Sorry. Well, then I don't care. Look, we've done all the talking about Hearst we're going to do. <laughs> oh, never say that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably not true. Um, and they all toast to victory in the war that's just getting started. And they were, they were hoping actually to hear a little bit more about it, but they didn't. So the majestic or- ocean, KB giving orders, boat things happening. Uh, and then we find out that, well, she's stowed away. Wah, wah. He's <laughs> yeah. like if Bo Lin from The Legend of Korra was a real person. <laughs> he, and Welsh. Right. <laughs> no, but he, he kind of is. Oh, yeah. Good for me. Yeah. Hurley takes a big group picture out on the bow. KB has sciatica, which doesn't seem fun. Yeah, he's got more of a relationship with his sciatica than he has with his family. <laughs> this is true. Because he had an attack and like that girl's secretary saw him. Uh-huh. And he was like, eh, sciatica. Yeah. Uh, so they make it to South Georgia, which is an island that is close to Antarctica. Um, it's like really like nowhere but yeah there's a whaling station there because that was the big industry at the time yeah. I and mean, it was like hugely rich industry that uh, is also where uh shackleton eventually died it is on his next trip back he had a heart attack there yeah well and it was it was pretty like it's, it's a pretty pathetic story really you know because once there wasn't really this, I mean, this expedition is dumb. Like, there's no good reason that crossing, the whole point of it is that they will cross the continent, you know, from one coast to the other. And that's the big achievement that they'll do. Why would you even want to do that? They, that sounds fucking stupid. Right. And there, it was stupid. There was no good reason or much to be learned for it, for, from it or much of a point, which is why the Royal Geographic Society wasn't particularly interested in funding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just, he just wanted to go to Antarctica. It was the only thing he was ever any good at. And then when he gets back from this expedition, it was the same thing. And he winds up just funding another expedition with even that was just not at all defined. Yeah. You know, and and it's so like and a bunch of the people from this expedition, including like Frank Wilde, like his his loyalists, even though many of them still had never gotten paid from this endurance expedition uh-huh. because it left him massively in debt. Mm hmm. They came with him on this last one. 
that had no point was just like you know the shackleton dicking around in the antarctic expedition right and then you know and then he got there and, and had a heart attack and that was you know and then he and he died he's buried there yeah as well his yeah. wife wanted him buried you know close to antarctica right and it it makes sense well and also he was kind of a dick so mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems yeah uh, but yeah, all the all the uh, Norwegians there at South Georgia all talk about how they're the Calibans of the pole. Um, like, we get it. It's Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> um, I feel like that was in his contract. He's like, you have to have this many Shakespeare references. Right. Or I'm not doing it. Including, I must deliver at least one line of Shakespeare. Yeah. It's my whole thing, man. <laughs> uh, and the Norwegians sort of exposit the whole geographical situation he's got to deal with. Uh, he writes a letter of apology to his wife. Uh, the sailors all sing about whiskey. I wrote, how drunk are these penguins? And <laughs> I am not sure oh, yeah. which penguins I'm referring to. Well, yeah, because they were doing that thing where they walk along and then they slide on their stomach. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious. Or you mean that thing that I do sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Not now that I live in a climate without ice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. They prank some dude by telling him that they're having a toga party, and then he shows up in everybody's normal clothes, and they all go crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Someone invent TV. Or, you know, women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go gay for the stay, guys. Man, they all call Shackleton boss. Like, I really want people to call me boss, or like at least Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Yeah. Can that be one of my nicknames? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to use that in an endearing, you know, romantic context. Oh, you never do anything I want. <laughs> this is my Antarctica. <laughs> uh, they have a banjo party on the ship. That's always fun. The radio- <laughs> <laughs> they don't play that. Uh, um, but some of the sailors down below are talking. They're like, oh, you know, this is there's this, there's no way this is going to work. They're going to, you know, get like run out of ice and just have to turn back and the one guy i think it's the carpenter mcneesh or mcleisure or whatever mcnish, mcnish yeah. he's the he's the the, the debbie downer of yeah this expedition. the sourpuss um, he's like the shackleton of this expedition <laughs> yeah uh but he says that that's not going to happen explorers don't turn back like you're all used to you know ships that are run by normal rational people <laughs> Yeah, my my next note actually just says Shackleton equals crazy. Yeah. Like, that's all I felt the need to write down. Yeah. Uh, well, she sees a seal, uh, so... Is that a Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no, because then uh, Frankie comes up and shoots it. So, Aww. yeah. Uh, but while they're getting the seal and, you know, butchering it or whatever, they all have a game of football on the ice. Football? <laughs> yes. Uh, although the Canadian does not understand the game at all, offsides in particular. He's like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, we've got all this ice. Let's play some hockey. We see, you know, the they're bumping through the ice. People are falling down. Cat's chilling out. Uh, oh, there's a weird guy. They call him the Colonel. Remember the weird guy? Yes. Listen, uh, I did not have a good sense of who any of these people were while I was watching it. Yeah, but you know who I mean. I don't. No, you What don't. did he do? Uh, Please, enlighten me and our listeners. 
Well, he doesn't do anything at this point, but you know, they all made fun of him and said he never did any work. Right! The Colonel! The Colonel, yeah. Ah, the Colonel! Yeah, he's, he's, he stands out. You, you mean know. my best friend, the Colonel? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Who I never would forget. Yeah. Uh, we see early uh, filming from, like, suspended beneath the the bowsprit or whatever. I have such a huge crush on this AV club nerd. Yeah. Like, he is a probably the most attractive human male in this. Probably true. And he's just like, ah, oh, he's like, you know, he he's like as passionate about filming this as Shackleton is about just doing dumb things. Yeah. You know? He's like, it's like the original jackass, basically. Like, Shackleton's <laughs> like, I just want to do dumb shit. Yeah. And Early's like, I just want to film it. He's the Spike Jones in this situation. He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a Christmas party with some rum and uh, crackers everything and everything. Question. Point of order. What is the difference between rum and grog, if any? I believe the answer is none. It's possible that grog might be rum mixed with something. That but, I mean, seems reasonable. Yeah. But I know they're both, you know, sugar-based alcoholic beverages. Okay. Phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The more you drink. <laughs> I hear the agent in bourbon barrels. <laughs> hey, let's have grog at our infidelity party. Oh, excellent plan. So they see land. It's land that has never been discovered before. So KB names it James Cairn Land because it was basically an ad-supported expedition, really. Listen, it's a pretty decent business model as long as you never hope to turn a profit. (laughs) Right. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the ice is getting thicker. KB sees some people standing around and makes them get to work. Uh... And then they they cut the engines. They can't push through wherever they're at right now. They're waiting for something better. Uh, we see them playing 20 questions. The answer was an eyebrow. But he was thinking of specifically somebody's left eyebrow. It was like very like, yeah. dude. This is one of the doctors, right? I think so. Uh, Mc something? McDoctor. <laughs> yeah, McDoctor. <laughs> yeah, he was odd. And he kept reminding me of somebody... He reminded me of, like, a dude, like, that it was so unfortunate that, like, Hugh Laurie happened before this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy would have been Dr. House mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Jasper or Horace in that <laughs> live-action 101 Dalmatians movie. <laughs> also with Mr. Weasley was in that. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. I did know that. I know a lot. I've never watched that movie. Um, it's pretty good, Holmes. Well, now I have a vendetta against it because it's apparently completely replaced the animated one. Like, Are you serious? You, you can never find the animated one ever. My parents have it on VHS. Yeah. We could probably buy it from them. It's probably true. Cousins, are you my parents? <laughs> I certainly hope not. But if you are listening to this against my repeated warnings, <laughs> could you please allow us to purchase your copy of 101 Dalmatians? It's Tom's favorite. It is my favorite. Yeah, we see Hurley going like clear up to the top mast to film from there. Uh, see some open water, so they head out to like cut through the ice to get to the open water, like with their. I'm rolling my eyes right now. Yeah. This is the dumbest plan. Yeah, like I'm not a seaman, right? And I don't know anything about ice, uh huh. Apart from it goes in my glass, right? But fuck this idea. 
Well, the soundtrack thinks this is the huge fucking deal, which it thinks about everything. The soundtrack thinks that every scene in this movie is like the last scene in 2001. <laughs> like, it just goes nuts the whole time. That explains why there's always that dude, like, tripping balls in the corner. Like, who's that guy? Oh, we call him Kubrick. He's just around. <laughs> yeah, we see the men, like, all going from one side of the ship to the other in unison, trying to rock the ship loose, uh, but no dice. People all said, sit down. Sit down. You're rocking the boat. <laughs> They're like, no, we were ordered to rock the boat. Sit down nicely, nicely, Johnson. <laughs> nicely, nicely, McNish. <laughs> Boy, that's a misnomer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and winter is coming. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, and it's going to be dark all the damn time. Uh Kenneth Branagh has always loved the dark, so that's cool. Yeah, boy, he's uh, he's he's messed up, dude. He's he's quite messed up. I think up. that's what I wrote about him being crazy. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, my only other note for part one is that uh, too bad your daughter's name is Heather. That one guy that was sad at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. Well, you're not a fan of the name, apparently. I guess not. Yeah. So KB announces that they're converting from a ship's crew to a base party for the duration until the ship is actually moving again. Uh, and he also names the five people who will be coming with him when they make the actual uh, push to cross Antarctica, and one of them is Early. And, uh, yeah, Early set up some lights. Everything looks nice. And, oh, yeah, and there's, like, an ominous groaning, which Shackleton says, oh, that's a whale. Uh, but uh, McNish is like... Uh, that's no whale. <laughs> that's a space station. <laughs> He's like, no, that's ice starting to crush the ship. Uh, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah. End of part one. <laughs> that's right. Also, our, uh, another factor in our very legitimately acquired DVD <laughs> <laughs> is that the options are part one, part two, <laughs> subtitles, and scene assess. Right? Right. So is that like director's commentary? Oh, right. What is that? It's like criticism. It's like yeah, this scene is kind of weak. I actually thought when I first saw that it said scene asses. And I was like, <laughs> woo! <laughs> Man right. nudity. Just the scene. Finally, equality. Just the scene for now. the asses. Right. A special cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. great. It is. Uh, so the part two opens in a World War One hospital tent where... We think this is the brother's wife because she said she was going to be a nurse or whatever. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and she's tending to some blind guy who says that it's dark all day or something. I don't know. It's dumb. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, we find the colonel in the storeroom. Turns out he is a bit of a hoarder. Yeah. And has amassed a horde. Um, and he thinks that it's quite sensible, which, to be fair, this is a good context to be a hoarder in. Yeah. If you're uh, away from anywhere you could get anything you possibly need, I right. think it's it's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Colonel's all right. We see a scene with the brother talking with the mistress who has a job in Penge, and he's very disappointed because she's an actress. And he thinks the penge is not a great... Uh, it's music hall, he says. Uh, yeah, that's right. And she says she has to start somewhere. And I'm like, you are deluded. Right. Uh, actually, what I wrote in here is, and Beth Davids, you are insane. <laughs> right. P.S. Do you want to come to our infidelity party? <laughs> We're sorry about before. 
look, if people were not diluted, there would be a hell of a lot less theater yeah, in the world. That's true. God, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Having sat through the worst production of Twelfth Night of all time, uh, yeah. In uh, yeah. anyway, listen, Fair, yeah, I'm gonna start a flame war. So let's let's move on. Let's press gaily forward. Yeah. So speaking of music hall, they're doing a bit of music hall on the ship to pass the time with some, you know, female impersonator, a la George in Blackadder. Yes. Uh, very similar type of stuff. Uh, a lot of. As as is so often the case when you see people doing things that are supposedly funny in something like this, people in the audience are just laughing, laughing at like random moments. Yeah, because none of it's actually funny, and they're like, "When should what should I be laughing at?" They're just like, oh, "Just just just keep laughing, just have a good time." They're yeah, like, oh, ha 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 ha. Uh, yeah, they have a uh, somebody in blackface, and it's like, "Glad you oh, yeah. brought that along." Well, I mean, I assume it's like pudding or something. Yeah, I don't know. I I assume it was something reasonable, and I mean, you know, that was. I know. It was the style at the time. Yeah, it was standard. But, like, seriously? How is that entertaining? I don't understand. I don't either, Kevin. I know. It's just I mean, I don't understand how any of it's entertaining. (laughs) Even the things that aren't offensive are not entertaining. Well, you know, like that tipping the velvet, all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, but that is decidedly not what is going on here. Oh, no, that had way more gay sex. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm really disappointed by the lack of gay sex in here. They uh, appear to be go without it, so fine. It's hard to say. I mean, it's really hard to say. I really wonder um, about that. But there's no <laughs> no. I mean, like, no. You're just so serious. I'm like, how much do you wonder about this, Tom? Well, I just do. Like, did was there no gay sex in these two year long all male Antarctic expeditions, or you know, what you know was there? I just am really unsure. I feel like yes. Listen, if noted homophobe and bigot John Lennon could give Brian Epstein. <laughs> A tosser in, you know, fucking Spain or whatever. These guys definitely, something happened. All right. Fair enough. I mean, that's, I'm willing they to They can't it. all be that good. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to characterize yeah, gay yeah, sex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Yeah. But, uh, but nobody's they're also, that celibate. Right. I understand. But they're also like, like the close quarters argue both ways because on the one hand, they're all right up against each other. But on the other hand, like, it would be hard to find a private moment. Yeah. So. Anyway, <laughs> cousins, have you been on an Antarctic expedition? Did you have gay sex? <laughs> if so, we want to hear your story. <laughs> uh, some guy tells KB's wife that they're not going to hear anything until Christmas, you know, at the earliest at this point. There's no way they'll get any news. So the newspaper is going to run speculations about what might be going on in order to keep up interest. Uh, so they see that the ice is starting to break up down there, and they're debating about whether to go back to South Georgia or not. And, of course, KB is like, uh, duh, we're not going back. Yeah. Did you not hear that guy earlier? <laughs> they were like, no, some of us were, like, rigging things. <laughs> so KB orders them to get these sledges ready in case they need to travel across the ice for whatever reason, uh, which is a good thing, because while somebody is playing tiny billiards... <laughs> down below the uh, game is ruined as the ship begins tilting i have to say tiny billiards on a ship it seems like there are very few instances there was that and there was something oh when they were um scrubbing the deck Mm. and like the the ship was rolling Mm. and the like the bucket stayed put i was really impressed with that Mm, like how do you even live on a boat man yeah it's crazy it is crazy i mean we've been doing it for centuries but good lord there's a a weird thing there's a reason i read all these books you don't like (laughs) because it's very fascinating 
Listen, if we only like the same things, we'd have nothing to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so everybody's worried because the ship's all tilted and the hull's leaking. So good reasons for worry. Oh, totally. And KB and Wild go out on the ice to discuss it uh, alone, and they decide that they got to evacuate the ship. And KB says to put early in his tent because he's really taken a shine to him, it would seem. So they get all the tents set up on the ice, but they're still eating on board the ship. Oh, I don't remember what it was. The colonel makes a very tasteless joke. Uh, he said something about... It was either about starvation or cannibalism or both. Right. And everybody was super not having it. Right. Because, like, yeah, man, like, this is the first point at which, like, the specter of that has really... Right. To an extent. Although I actually, I, I didn't mention it when he first gave his first speech about how their lives are going to depend on each other. Like, he talked about... Or he said to somebody, have you seen, you know, your friend? He was talking to Welshie because he was like, right. have you ever when seen found, Starvation? Right. And I'm like, look at the kid. No. <laughs> right. He's a chunker. He's fine. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, it was when he was talking to Welshie and just talking about it, seeing your friends, you know, wither and die in front of you in the cold. Yeah, like, and I, be willing to, like, kill a man for a biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, wow. Although I, I actually, I'm pretty sure that Shackleton uh, never did see a man die in the Antarctic. I think it was only one person died on the previous expedition, and that was somebody who, when they were sailing out, like, in London, like, went up to the top of the mast to, like, wave to the crowd and fell off the mast and died. Whoops. Yeah. So. So it was a two-handed mast. <laughs> apparently so. So uh, KB tells the men what the plan is, uh, that they're going to take these sleds off somewhere. I'm sorry. What I said was that the joke that he made was worse than making a rape joke at a rape survivor's convention, <laughs> which may not be true. I think it's not quite true. But it's but like it's, in the ballpark. It's on the level. Yeah, yeah. it's on the level. It was that. definitely not well received. Yeah. I've also decided, apparently, according to my notes that I've just remembered that I have, uh, I would sleep with Kenneth Branagh once. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's as much as almost anybody can handle it. I think that's probably about the median number of times people have slept with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, like his partners. It's generally been a one-time thing. I'm guessing they're like, ooh, this seemed like a gr- like what was like was Emma Thompson on coke or something? Like well, you know, showmance. Ah, oh, that's true. It's it's a strange thing. Yeah, indeed. There's, we see various leadership things, like some of them have sleeping bags and some of them have blankets, so KB supervises drawing straws for who gets stuck with blankets, and he you know, first assigns himself a blanket before the, the drawing. Uh, he, we see them handing out clothes, Burberries, and <clears throat> struggling with the sled, trying to you know, get it across the rough glaciers. Uh, he then tells the men that they're all going to get to keep two pounds of possessions per man. That's it. So including, you know, like shaving utensils or whatever. Yeah, he's got a really nice shaving kit and he dumps it in the snow. And I'm like, no, right. that was badger hair. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, this is how serious this is. Here's me dumping out all my stuff. Here's this uh, Bible that Queen Alexandra gave me, who would at this point have been the... She would have been the queen mother. Queen mother, I believe, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I've decided to take these three pages and he rips them out and I'm leaving the rest of it here. Like this is, you know... This is serious. And that that was pretty, like, impactful, I felt. Yeah. Um, and at this point, uh, McNish has to, uh, has to kill his cat because they're heading out uh, with the dogs, and the dogs will kill the cat 
if you know he's, there's no way he can keep the cat away from them in this circumstance mm-hmm. uh and that's pretty rough uh that was one of the more upsetting i mean and i know where they're headed with the dogs right right which is also upsetting right and like you know kenneth brown and mcnichigan don't get along and so KB is like, oh, like, I'll do it. And then, you know, McNish is like, fuck you. Right. Like, you don't give a shit about this cat. Sorry, I'm getting upset about the cat. Yeah, no, it's, it's very ups Like, this, yeah. this second half definitely, like, there's, you know, impact and, and uh, you know, it's it's well done. Yeah. And then KB gives, like, an inspiring speech about survival uh, that I don't remember anymore. But it was pretty inspiring. He's a pretty good leader. Yeah, he was, yeah no, he, he is. Uh, so struggling wind, the soundtrack is again very overpowering. I wrote down that it's the pickup artist of soundtracks. <laughs> I wrote that this movie is like a really harrowing allegory for the human experience, which I feel felt deep when I wrote it, but is now the most banal thing I've ever <laughs> seen committed to paper. Well, and one thing too is Kelly really didn't know anything about this expedition. Oh, I didn't. It was very exciting. Yeah. So that was... Which kind of surprised me because it's just like so well known. Like, oh, everybody knows about the endurance expedition. No, nope, you know, that's but, just you, you weirdo. Well, it's not just me, but okay, you and all the people on your weird like naval list serve or whatever. <laughs> Wreck dot boats dot Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so KB decides that this plan is actually no good. They just can't sled fast enough to get anywhere. They'll have to wait for open water and uh, take their little boats or whatever. Uh, so Early goes back to the boat to salvage more food since they are setting up camp for a bit. Uh, at the camp, the cook pot or whatever, the bottom falls out and drops all the stew into the coals that they were cooking it on. And the cook like is like, fuck it. I'm out of here. I'm going home. He no, says. and I, that was my fa- I loved it because like, that's what I would do. Yeah. Like, I would totally throw that temper tantrum. Yeah. And then, you know, you come back like 15 minutes later. Like, right. hey, guys, I can't leave. I, I realized that my home is 7,000 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> or however far. I've, I have no idea how big the earth is, actually. Uh, and we also see the men scooping the stew out of the coals because yeah. there ain't no choice in this scenario. Uh, back at the ship where Early is, is salvaging, he has seen that his film is underwater there and he is determined to get it. I mean, honestly, I thought that, to me, that was the real reason that he went. I thought it was very clear when he asks Shackleton if he can go. Because mm-hmm. Shackleton's like, don't do anything heroic. And I'm like, that dude is going back for his film. Like, mm-hmm. don't be stupid. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he will not be denied. He makes the other two like hold his legs while he reaches down to, to grab it and all this sort of thing. And I mean, good Lord, like this is, you know, Antarctic water. Yeah. Like, damn. I thought he was going to die again. I had no idea what the, you know, body count, if any was going into this. I was like, this is a terrible idea. Yeah. But on the other hand, if he had not done that, then we wouldn't have uh, any of that footage or photos anymore. Right. Well, and that's what, because he, he comes back and KB is like, we can't, this weight is no good. We can't keep this. We, you know, I already show, told everybody two pounds. He was like, no, we have to. This is the expedition. This uh-huh. is what keeps this expedition alive. Even if we die, this is the evidence, you know. And that we were here and that, that we, we did this. Yeah. And he 
he convinces him. And He's a very good negotiator. Yeah, yeah. Never underestimate the power of crazy in a negotiation. <laughs> yeah. And these are two of the best. Yeah. So he agrees that they can keep uh, 150 of the of the photographic plates. So they go through them and decide which to keep. You know, and it's like, it's like, oh, do I look good in this one or whatever? And I'm sorry. I'm looking ahead through my notes, and they just get worse and worse. <laughs> like, this is at the very end, and, like, it could be, though, at any point in the movie. This is some dire fucking shit, man. Lying is so important. Are all explorers bipolar? <laughs> like, what is victory? What is failure? Like... <laughs> Well, what kind of freshman level intro to philosophy course was I drinking? This is what this is what the endurance expedition does to people, man. <sighs> okay, well then I feel slightly better about like my very predictable reaction. <laughs> no, man. Look, it's it's you know, it's I mean it's elemental, you know, yeah. it's basic. Is what that's it's the man whole, v nature. It is, unquestionably. And man v penguin. <laughs> it's true. They uh, they do eat penguins. Um, they eat penguins, don't they? <laughs> uh, so we see the ship getting crushed. There's also various shots, including this one, that are like callbacks to the footage that Hurley took. Uh, some of the, the camera shots in this one are direct echoes of that. So yeah, the... So he doesn't still have his camera, right? He had to leave it behind? Uh, I believe so okay i believe i'm not certain but i think so uh well no because he films some well i'm not sure which part of this because it took a while for the ship to go from getting crushed to like completely like sinking beneath the ice but it does and we see kb christening the boats that they're going to be using the james cared the dudley docker and the something else that are all named after their their uh funders uh, and Kenneth Branagh recites the Bible or something and thanks Early for saving the pick, says he was right, uh, which <laughs> I wrote down that this is true. I have often regretted not purchasing my high school yearbook. Like, I thought I was being all cool at the time, but I was like, oh, I, w- I wouldn't mind having that around. So uh, for those of listeners of ours who are in high school, you know, buy it. Buy it in secret if you must. But <laughs> yeah. get your yearbook. Yeah. Uh, so they've shot a seal and, and cooked it up. They got some new cooking device that's all, uh, it's all blubber based cooking. And so they distribute the portions. They basically, one guy is blindfolded and then another guy just points at plates and says, this one is for, and the guy names one of the names. And then he points at another one and says, this one is for, and he names somebody else. And that's how they decide who gets which portion. Uh, but at night in the tent, well, she accuses the colonel who is involved with this of cheating and of, like, having code words for saying, like, this one goes to versus that one goes to being whether it's big or small. And the skipper is in there is like, shut up, you two. Well, she, you can choose tomorrow. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's just seeing that sort of, you know, management of what's going on. Yeah. Like, that's it's tough. Uh, so they get the boats ready. Uh, to sail out and they were like oh it's christmas tomorrow we we're going to hoping to have a party is like listen then we're having christmas or no it's christmas in two days it's like fine we'll have christmas tomorrow we'll have a big feast we'll pretend it's christmas because we gotta go yeah uh they have a flashback to the last christmas and i'm like what is this the giver <laughs> take that jeff bridges yeah 
Um, so they're uh, pushing the boats along. They're not to the water yet. And the carpenter is really pissed off and says it's all pointless and that the hall's been completely broken, like, and it's not seaworthy anyway, and they're just completely wasting their time. And he eventually just, like, stops pushing it. He's like, no. And he says that the skipper who's on that team orders him back to him, and he's like, you know what? We're not on a boat anymore. And that means that, A, I'm not under your orders, and, B, none of us are getting paid for this because no ship, no pay. Like, that's apparently this, you know, standard, yeah. uh, you know, sailor's thing. Labor dispute. Yeah. Get a penguin to arbitrate. <laughs> Uh, no, that's not what they do. KB comes in and sets everybody straight and says that he, that if McNish doesn't resume pushing, he will shoot him. And then Wild comes up, like, and he walks away and McNish is like hesitant. Wild comes up and is like, don't think I would hesitate for a moment to use this and shows him his gun uh-huh. and walks off. And McNish is like, uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so at camp afterwards, KB reads out part of their contract, says that they are serving the expedition, not the ship, mm-hmm. and that therefore they are all still under orders and will all be paid. And Wild goes off to KB, and they, they're having a little one-on-one time, and KB like says that they are not going to die, that none of them will die, that he's going to, like, and just like in crazy voice, that they are not going to die. So, okay, one question. What kind of temperatures are we talking about here? Um, well, at this point, it's summer, so it might be, like, as high as, like, the teens or 20s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel like that, well, or, I mean, because it's high enough that where they are, the ice is melting under the sunlight, uh-huh. you know, which means it doesn't have to be 32 for ice to start melting a bit. Um, so it's, like, in that range. Shouldn't they all be wearing hats more? Possibly. I don't know if that was a creative choice they made because it is really boring to watch people in hats. Right. Like winter yeah, yeah. bundled up no, hats. I know. Like not in Downton Abbey hats. Right. But uh, yeah, because like they're like walking around with nothing on their heads and like right. that doesn't seem right. Like it's if you're to trying say. to make sure nobody dies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say that from what I've read that A, your body does adjust to it like to an extent. Like, you know, inland Ar- Antarctica is too cold for anybody to adjust to, mm-hmm. but your body does adjust to it and you know he would people would talk about it would get up in the first time they would feel a temperature in the 40s they'd just be like sweating and just Uh like this is way too hot and also that just being in the sun Mm -hmm. like as in if you're well insulated where they've got all their you know fur and everything Uh like be if you're standing in the sunlight and you know you you do all right okay that's my understanding. Also, the claim that you lose most of your body heat through your head is a myth. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of that, and I didn't know it was a myth. Right. I only learned that in the last year or so, but it, it, they did this study, like the army or somebody did this study that found all this heat leaving from the head, but what people left out of that study was that it was specifically somebody actually in this situation all wrapped up and not wearing anything on their head, and they were just trying to figure out some different sort of thing about survival Mm -hmm. but everybody got this idea that that meant that the head was where you lose all this heat and it's no that's the only reason the head was losing all the heat in this experiment was because it was the only part that was uncovered it's not like the head naturally does that interesting yeah anyway uh we see the wife the wife talks with the royal geographic society and does various things throughout this time trying to get a relief expedition going which as far as i'm aware never actually happened but it's sort of weird and i'm always like hey why are we not in antarctica come on dude yeah i i am not interested in uh what's going on in the home front right 
Early decides to go back and get the third boat. They had decided to only bring two, uh, but Early is convinced that uh, they can they can you know manage with all three, and he he's he's willing to volunteer to be the one to have to go back and get it, which he does, and it's super hard. So KP comes back and and meets them part way with a hot drink, which I think is Bovril. Ah, yeah, okay. I know they I know they had a lot of Bovril on this trip. What is Bovril? It's like a hot beef broth or something uh-huh. like that. Okay, yeah. Which, you know, sounds disgusting, but you can definitely see in this context why you'd be like, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Like, bovril? Like, bovine rill? <laughs> I, you know, yeah, probably. Bovril. Disgusting. Look. Anyway. Yeah. Look, it's not jelly eels. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So, they uh, are low on meat, and the time has come to shoot the dogs. Man, I knew they'd have to eat them. Yeah. I knew that they would, but I was still so upset. And I mean, and I think they do a great job of playing it because, I mean, these dogs have been there the whole time. And, you know, these guys have gotten attached to the dogs. They've, you know, named them. They've created, you know, relationships with the dogs. Mm -hmm. And now they have to eat them to stay alive. And it's just. It's so weird because I'm yeah. not like an animal person. I don't mm-hmm. particularly have a whole lot of owning animal ambitions, mm-hmm. but I get really upset yeah. if I see animals being mistreated or uh, eaten. <laughs> right. Well, you know, not the typical food animals. Right. Listen, I'm not saying it's rational. <laughs> right. It, well, and it's not. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, because Amundsen's expedition, that was part of his, his practicality and why it succeeded, was they planned accordingly. Like, mm-hmm. eating the dogs was part of the plan. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, because it's like, then that's, you know, that much less weight. No, I I yeah. understand, and that is very efficient, but I... That was part of the whole thing. I and, could never hack it as an Antarctic explorer. <laughs> I just want to put this out there. Right. Not, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, Early uh, says he has the position that he wants to know which dog he is eating versus not. Other people disagree. Uh, the colonel comments on how tasty it is, and everybody's like, dude. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Try the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so the ice is moving. They see some land, an aerial shot of the camp in much more broken up ice. The soundtrack goes nuts. <laughs> Uh, that night, the ice cracks right in the middle of their camp. Somebody actually falls in the water and fortunately gets pulled out. Uh, and that was that was about as close as anybody came. Because I, I, I've read uh, mm-hmm. his, you know, recounting of the expedition, and that was that was extremely close to somebody getting killed there. So yeah, so they all get into these three little boats. They pull up near each other and realize that they have not actually made it anywhere in the you know the first few hours of sailing. And he says, "Yeah, it looks like it's just it looks like we've made progress, but that's just the ice drifting away from us, and we're still stuck. Mm-hmm. So they have to row, and it is awful." Yeah, this looks like everything in this movie just keeps getting worse. Like just when you think that they can't possibly suffer any more inhuman indignities, yeah, uh, they they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it is inspiring to watch this go on. Yeah, because it's like fuck. Yeah, I mean, they just there is no option. Right. There is no there's no excuses. They right. they absolutely have to keep going, or they will die. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, the colonel keels over uh, while she's unable to move his feet. Uh, <sighs> well, she man. Yeah, I 
got attached to that bugger. I know, right? I didn't mean to. No, he was surprisingly uh, endearing. Yeah, I don't even remember who the fuck that Canadian was now. Fuck <laughs> right. that Canadian. That's right. Boo. <laughs> Actually, I think he's helping Welshie with his feet situation. It, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> he's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> They're bosom friends because he's Canadian. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, KB gives his gloves to somebody that needs them. Well, you uh, said that was the thing that happened, right? That was a real thing. Yeah. That he gave somebody his gloves and said that if they didn't take him, they, he would throw the gloves overboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's a lot of the stuff, like, it's his leadership, but also them all being insane from the situation they're in, you Yeah. Know? But yeah, yeah. No, because, well, you know, and that was always this thing, is, is they're all, you know, it's hard to give and it's hard to accept, you know, in these situations mm-hmm. when to, to accept a gift from somebody is to take... To, to reduce their chance of living. Like, yeah. it's, that's rough. <laughs> Again, deep thought, right? <laughs> Listen, you're still doing better than me. <laughs> I wrote on the plus side, their abs are going to look super good. <laughs> <laughs> I believe from when they started rowing. Yeah, no, that, that would make sense. It's, it works your core. Oh, man. I'm, that, I am, I'm a bad person. It was the original Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> this is the original Pilates was being shanghaied into a galley slave. <laughs> uh, so they cite Elephant Island, which is where where they were heading for. Uh, one of the boats is missing. Uh, that third boat is is the one that Skipper was on, and they got lost in the night or the fog or something. But on the other two, they're they're pulling up to land, and KB says that. The, nobody's ever set foot on this island, so Welshie, because he's the youngest, will get to be the first uh, on shore. And he's like, oh, thank you. But it's kind of difficult for him as his feet don't work. Yeah, he's frostbitten. Yeah. Uh, he's going to lose his feet. Yeah. Uh, but they drag him on there. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh, not to be put off. No, no. Uh, they basically just throw his body onto <laughs> this island. Yeah. And then they all, like, embrace the rocky soil and everything yes. like that because at this point it's the first time they've been on land in like a year i wow just crazy mm-hmm. i mean there are there are definitely things that never had any appeal to me you know living at sea being one of them <laughs> yeah uh or being a truck driver <laughs> and i feel like they're very similar yeah makes sense trucks really are the boats of the land <laughs> <laughs> so they set up some tents get an injury report on how people are doing and KB says that he's looked at the beach and it's not safe because uh, they've you know based on the markings the tide sometimes covers the whole beach so they'll have to find a new one uh, we see them dragging the boat uh, carrying a paralyzed guy KB and you know going around with everything helping with breakfast uh, he brings a mug to a tent that collapsed in the night and they just kept sleeping in it because you know it was night and they were tired KB asks McNish to fix the boat and that they uh, are going to be needing to make a voyage in it. And McNish is like, all right, I'm a carpenter. This is my jam. I got it. Uh, so he's going with six people uh, for help. McNish, the skip, uh, and then some other guys that were less important. And talks with Early, who wants to come, but tells him to stay and, you know, keep uh, his photographs and everything like that and, you know, help plan for a plan B if he doesn't come back, which it's, you know, there isn't much of a plan B really yeah. at that point. But he says that 
uh, he has signed something that gives him the rights to his all his pictures and film mm-hmm. if Shackleton dies, mm-hmm. though he says he will not. Yeah. I really hated that scene. I don't know why, but I wrote down that I really hated this scene. Yeah, it was it was a bit weird, as I recall. Um, Get a room. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> was my feeling. <laughs> so the, the men all wave goodbye as the ship heads off. The colonel says that that's the last they'll see of them. <laughs> what a jerk. Well, listen. Not even a jerk, just a weird guy. Look, listen. Uh, he couldn't work in society. This is the, where he landed. Yeah. And they're stuck with him. Yeah. And they're really stuck with him on this island. Yeah. No, he, because at the beginning, he kind of got, like, strongly encouraged by, like, his military superiors. Like, oh, yeah, you should definitely do this. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you be in the Antarctic for a few years. We'll, we'll regretfully let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, on the island, they uh, they flip the other boats over. They make that into their shelter for the time being. Uh, talk about icebergs. Uh, on the island, people all list their favorite foods. Dude, that seems like a bad idea. Right. Like, granted, I know they're sitting around and they have to do something, right. you know, to kill time while hoping that time does not kill them. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, my God. I just, uh, that, to me, would be worse to think about what you can't have. Yeah. Like, right now, I'm like, I really want a burrito. But there's not a burrito here. No, there isn't. So I'm try not to think about it <laughs> i realized that i just did the opposite of what i was trying to do <laughs> right but just for explanatory purposes yeah that's yeah. true yeah my responsibility is to my people yeah um so on the on the boat we see the skipper taking a sight uh in terrible weather of of the sun which is you know the basic navigation is seeing what angle the sun's at at noon uh and this like I literally did not know that. Right. Um, and that's, that's <laughs> I know nothing about right. navigating that's how you, on that's the That's how seas. you tell your latitude how far away from the equator you are is by figuring out at noon how high over the su- horizon is I can the only assume that I've never had any interest in the sea because it sounds like so much math is involved. Oh, and like ugly, unpleasant math. Like it's, <laughs> it's terrible math. Um, you know, a lot of like spherical geometry and, yeah. and trigonometry and all this stuff. But the point is... That here's the thing about this particular like this is the most amazing part of the whole expedition because they took this little boat that was not designed for this sort of thing. They sailed it hundreds of miles through what is generally regarded as one of the like roughest, worst parts of ocean in the world. Um and they hit their target exactly, knowing that they could not sail this thing upwind. So that if they missed their target they could not come back and pick it back up again. They were, would have just had to sail off and die in the ocean, essentially. And they did that because this is how the only way to tell where they were was this guy in these wind and waves being able to tell where level was in order to look through his thing and see the sun. Because if you're holding your thing and you're holding it like tilted, then you're going to think the sun's at a different altitude than it is. Like, so you have to be able to stand on this, you know, tossing and turning thing in the freezing weather and figure out where level is to calculate the angle over the horizon. Like, and they nailed it. He hit a target dead on. And it's just one of the most amazing things that's been done. Like, it's just astonishing. That's all very impressive. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to share that with everybody. 
you're allowed to share. That's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Listen, you started talking about math and literally, okay, so it's, <laughs> it's the rules of football, <laughs> see things and math. Like you well, start talking like, about math and just like a screen comes down in front of my eyes. Well, this is like nautical math. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's like, ugh, listen. <laughs> Throw some American football in there and I might black out. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, all the uh, the nautical stuff I read, it's all British. So American football never comes into it. <sighs> well, thank yeah. God. You'll be relieved. Yeah, so back on the island, they're going to uh, have to amputate while she's toes, actually, not his feet. Right. Just his toes. That lu- That is lucky. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, horrifying. <gasps> yeah, did- this, um, yeah, this was, yeah. this was a lot to deal with. They- and it, it's not super graphic the way that they film it, but you can definitely hear the toes right. dropping into the metal receptacle, mm-hmm. you know. The thing you put toes in? I don't know what that is. Well, yeah. They're like, listen, did somebody pack a toe bucket? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but well, she takes it like a champ. And just like everybody is rooting for him. Well, they do apparently have ether, which like, because I didn't think they would have. Although, I mean, once I was like, oh, yeah, they would have had. They still had tobacco. At this point, yeah. there was a scene of Shackleton's, you know, right, I mean, a, right. it was a very small cigarette, but somebody yeah. had managed, you know, in their two pounds of personal possessions yeah. uh, to, to keep that going. Yeah. So. Well, he runs that cigarette factory. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we see them on the boat chopping ice off the hall, like leaning over the side to chop ice off. On the island, they're singing while she joins in, like, the, as again, like the champ he is. Man, Welshy. Yeah. I wish I had 10 like him. <laughs> I don't know what I would have my army of Welshies do exactly, but I would like for uh, them to be around. Uncomplainingly explore the Antarctic, I guess. Uh, I guess so. It yeah. seems more like a you thing. <laughs> oh, right. If I were exploring the Antarctic, I would never stop complaining. <laughs> I'd be like, why is it so bright? Why is it so dark? Why is it so cold? Well, How come you- there's not more penguins? <laughs> No one would enjoy it. Listen, I'm going to give you a trip to Antarctica. And and your 10 Welshies. Yeah. <laughs> and I will stay here and um, do other things. Uh, you can watch that end of Green Gables, I guess. Yeah! <laughs> Great trade. <laughs> Eat burritos. Right. Uh, more things happening in Britain. Who cares? Uh, on... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, no, wait no, a minute, wait a minute. Yet. Okay, yeah. I was like, if you skip the only good scene yeah. that happens in England, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Right, it's coming up next. But there is the, a scene of that you were not actually watching at this point, so I had to rewind and make you watch it. But when they get hit by a giant wave. Right, that yeah. was a hella big wave. Yeah. And I was glad that you made me rewatch it. Because yeah. I can only assume I was... I wrote in all caps, there is no radio. Uh <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Right. But. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He specifically writes about that wave in his diary. He was like, holy shit, it was a big wave. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in those words. So yeah. So then we see uh, Lady Flincher eating alone and she gets a call from the mistress and she's like, oh my God. Right. Because that is like, listen, the first rule of infidelity party is you don't call a person's spouse, Mm -hmm. idiot. Yeah, let's make that clear. Yeah, and I mean, look, it is the Edwardian era, and a lot of people do have mistresses. Right. But, you know, it's not like people were super amped about it. <laughs> yeah. No, 
the Edwardian approach to adultery fascinates me. <laughs> yeah. Because it's this thing where it's like everybody wanted to do it to be fashionable, but you also still were like supposed to be pissed off about it. Right. Like it's really well, weird. That dates back. I mean, that's even the French today. Right. Well, it just, it dates back. Like it goes through all through European history. Cause going back to the code of chivalry, the whole code of chivalry was that you should fall in love with somebody that you weren't married to. And that would be the woman that you fought for. Like, and that was the ideal. And that it would always be un, you know, fulfilled, of course, but that that, that was is what that, you should do. Is that how you keep fighting then? Because there's no, it's so weird. It's very weird. Anyway, yeah, adultery is weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, but we, but it's going to be a fun dinner. Oh yeah, it's going to be a really great <laughs> infidelity party. <laughs> but yeah, so the mistress is on the phone with the wife, and is basically she is crying, and you know, probably drunk. And uh, basically, boy, have I been there <laughs> currently asking. <laughs> I'm not. I'm drinking a Diet Coke. Yeah, it's very responsible. Yeah, there's rum within 10 feet of me. That's right. And I'm not grogging it up. No, you're not. <laughs> no grog for you. Nope. Says you. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I loved this scene, though. Yeah. Because um, perhaps that is why I wrote There's No Radio. But I mean... You just wrote Davis. that about the fact that they did not have a radio down south. Yeah. And just had no way of contacting That's anyone. True. Yeah. So, um, and Beth Davis has called Lady Flincher. Right. To be like, hey, is he still alive? Like, based, like, you know, you can believe this or you cannot believe this. <laughs> and I don't even know what I believe about it, but like mm-hmm. the idea of, of, you know, a married couple. Mm hmm. And particularly this married couple where he's gone and come back yeah, a yeah. couple of times, you know, and is an explorer. She, like, wants to know if he's still alive. And Lady Flincher's like, yeah, I don't have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have no idea. I don't remember the substance of the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, she says that he is alive, oh, essentially. Yeah. Well, boy, I... Well, but she says... She, what? Here's what I wrote out, and... We shouldn't have delayed so long between watching this thing and doing the podcast, well, apparently. Well, listen, time but, uh, makes fools of us all. <laughs> At least we don't have to eat a dog. Here's what I wrote. The wife chews her out British style. Then she says he is alive. So right. that's... Okay, that's yeah. what I'm remembering is yeah, the chewing out The part. chewing out. And that's, again, there's, there's several frustrating things in the second half where they're really good because of things that were set up in the terrible first half. And it's so it's, you know... It's frustrating just because I just want to say only watch part two. Yeah, but like, and every single thing that happens to set this scene up is so bad. Right. But if you haven't seen them, then this doesn't have any impact whatsoever. Yeah. And it turns out like this is a really good scene. Yeah. But it's like, does it justify? Hard to say. Shockingly, Shackleton does not pass the Bechtel test. (laughs) I know that the idea that a movie about a bunch of dudes... (laughs) Going to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So the boat arrives on shore. They have made it to South Georgia Island, which is great. They're all happy. But the bad news is that they're on the wrong side of the island, and the island is uh, filled with mountains. Climb every mountain. <laughs> yeah. But at dinner that night, as they eat baby albatross... 
they are all, uh, you know, they're all in a pretty good mood because they're currently not dead. <laughs> yeah, that's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's the only feeling I've ever had, actually. Yeah. Uh, and KB says that they can't, the, they're never gonna be able to sail around. They've got to, uh, go overland. None of them has ever climbed a mountain before, so they're all going to learn on the job. But they're laughing because he's saying that uh, they want to take, you know, baby albatross back and have it be this, you know, exotic delicacy oh, right, for right. rich people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, nice burger if you can get it, but... Yeah, yeah. Seems like an awful long way to go for some baby albatross. <laughs> That's a long way to go for a James Beard nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but chefs are insane. <laughs> they like, are. Chefs, in many ways, are the Sir Ernest Shackleton's... <laughs> Of gastronomy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we see them up on the mountain. Uh, some dramatic shots and presumably dramatic soundtrack again. They reach an impasse. They have to go farther on. And they still can't find a way down. I mean, basically what's going on is that they've made it to the top, but they can't find any descent on the other side. They all fall down at one point and start trying to go down a steep part. And uh, they decide that they're just going to slide down on their butts. Um, and this is actually one thing that was made slightly less dramatic in this because this was actually in a situation where I believe like night was falling and there was maybe some fog or something and they really could not see where they were sliding at all. They were like, well, the end of this will either be a nice soft landing or like a 5,000 foot drop or, you know, like a bunch of cactuses. Like- I can't, <laughs> I can't even emotionally process that. Yeah, like they were just- when I try to think about it, it just horrifies me. Yeah, but by they were, proxy, they were just in point this point where like it's getting dark. We have to get down. We, you know, they didn't. They knew they had to make it. Like they didn't bring much in the way of food or anything. Mm-hmm. They just had to get there. That was all there was to it. So yeah, they but they you know they don't run into thing anything. They are continuing struggling, and at one point they all are like lying down and start to fall asleep mm-hmm. and KB snaps two and then grabs the other two and tells them they've both had a half hour, a good half hour sleep and yeah. pulls them up, which is genius. It is genius. That's why I wrote lying is so important. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of situations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, that's a brilliant moment. They intercut this with a fucking committee meeting. Like, that's what I want right now, a committee meeting. Oh, yeah, I love committee meetings. Anyway. They're so um, inspiring. Yeah. But we see KB crawling over a ridge and sort of seeing something, comes back and asks what time it is. He's like, exactly what time it is. And he's like, it's just about seven. And he says, listen. And they hear a steam whistle. And that is apparently, he remembered that, that they blow that every day at seven for whatever reason. And they are all, you know, super excited. And they, like, shake hands and congratulate mm-hmm. each other, you know, even though they've still got a ways to go to actually get there. But as he says in the thing, that was the first indication of any other human being they had heard in, you know, a year and a half or two years. Yeah. yeah. So they stumble into the camp like zombies, as, you know, understandably. Uh, although the, the skipper, like, realizes that he's going to be among people and he wants to get his trousers sewn because they got all tore up when they were sliding down. Some kids see them and do nothing about it. Well, kids are dicks. They are. As I think we've documented many times on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, But KB knocks on some door and the guy like doesn't say anything uh, and they stumble in. And then the other guy comes out that's kind of the head of the 
whaling station whaling station and does not recognize him because he's all beardy and like messed up and yeah they don't look anywhere near as emaciated as they should i realize right. that there are rules against that like we're right. not all christian bail on the machine <laughs> right and nor should anyone no be. it's not starvation yeah. is not fun yeah yeah and the first thing that kb asked the guy is when did the war end and the guy's like, ah, shit, dude. <laughs> About that. Yeah. Here, let me feed you this blubber-fed sausage. <laughs> yeah. Which we didn't comment on when right. they were there the first time. They, like, tell the men that, like, oh, we make this sausage from pigs that have been fed exclusively on blubber. And, like, one of the guys gets really upset. And I'm like, dude, it's already sausage. <laughs> yeah. Like. Like, spare me your histrionics. <laughs> right. It's organic blubber. Ugh. <laughs> well you only like the factory farm blubber like that's what you're saying yep (laughs) mobile dick all the way (laughs) uh yeah and well so one of them asks who's winning the war and the station chief says well whoever's still alive in the end i guess which is an apt metaphor as well for the battle of shackleton v antarctica Mm -hmm. although Antarctica is not a living thing and therefore is like a vampire in true blood or something. Right. Or maybe not. I don't know what's going on on that show. Right. True. Also, guys, like, you know what? I'm from Norway. It doesn't really, like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get caught up on all this nonsense. I don't think. I don't think Norway was involved at all. I don't think. I've never heard anything about them. I know Sweden wasn't because they just celebrated the 200-year anniversary of the end of the last war that Sweden was ever in. Man. Sweden's doing it right. Let's yeah. move there. Except I think then we have to eat like weird, like preserved. Well, there's a sitcom about that now. Oh yeah, I was thinking. I was like, isn't there a whole thing? <laughs> yeah. About that, but then I was like, am I just thinking about the interestings again? <laughs> as I always am. Well, true enough. Uh, yeah, we should watch that. It's got Amy Poehler's brother in it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, cut to the uh, Elephant Island. Hella beards on everyone. Like it's a beard. It's a beard fest. fest. Yeah. Uh, and people are all kind of like somber and glum. Yeah, their noses are freezing off. Yeah. It's gross. It is gross. But suddenly there are shouts of ship and people crawl out and, you know, run in slow motion and all this sort of thing. And they see KB on the boat, like calling ashore and he asks, all well? And Frank Wilde is like, yes, all well. All of us are well. And it's like a big thing. You know, yeah. Tom's cool. getting a little bit verklempt over here. <laughs> It doesn't happen often. That's why I mention it. <laughs> right. No, it's he's, true. He's very inspired. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, that was the final moment where he'd actually kept everybody alive, just like he promised. And that's, and you know, w- what you don't see, because it would have been super boring, but it, <laughs> it took him a long time to get to the island. Like, the Norwegians didn't have a ship that was would, good for it. He had he went to South America. He and it wound up actually being a Uruguayan ship mm-hmm. that finally made it. But it was like his third attempt to get down there. Wow! Because everything that got kept getting you know stuck in the ice and not able to make it to the island. And of course he was freaking out the whole time, you know, because those were his men left horrible. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was uh, four months. They actually said in the voiceover mm-hmm. that it took to get it done. And, uh, yeah, and then the voiceover continues over various newsreel footage that the crew uh, all pretty much all went immediately to the front lines of World War One, which is horrible. Yeah, like Jesus. Yeah, like 
And it's, you know, and it's something because, you know, many of them were in fact military and all of them, you know, they left. Like, that's the weirdest thing about this whole thing is that they left in like the last moment of English idealism, Mm -hmm. essentially, you know, when everybody was all still super amped about the war Mm -hmm. and patriotic and everything like that, you know, and then to come back to this entirely different world and not only that you know they they'd wanted to be part of it in the first place and had all felt somewhat guilty about not participating mm-hmm. and that guilt was only made far worse when they realized what they had missed out on and yeah. avoided and uh yeah so for the most part they all went straight out there do you know how many of them died i don't um, that would be an interesting fact it would be an interesting fact yeah god that's just so it's so terrible yeah i hate world war one yeah. Like, not to be controversial. <laughs> right. It's taking out some territory here. <laughs> Look, I'm taking a stand. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, that's an incredible story. It I is. finally understand what you've been yammering on about all these years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Much better story than Troubling a Star. Can't even, can't even compare the two, really. I'm glad we can agree on that. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I, I really enjoyed learning the story. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it might behoove me to watch like a documentary or something. Yeah. There is actually is a a pretty solid one that I saw. What is it called? Uh, I think it's, I think it's just called Endurance. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I've heard of that actually. Yeah. Did it have a theatrical release? I think it, I think it actually like did like tour, toured like museums mainly. Yeah. That yeah. like the, yeah, like the IMAX thing right, or right. something. But yeah, I know, I, I remember watching it and I don't remember exactly what context. Intriguing. But, yeah. All right. Well, you know, we'll figure out what that is and let yeah. people know because this is, this is very good. What books do you recommend in case people are interested? Well, the official account of this expedition by Ernest Shackleton, I mean, ghost-written, but uh, apparently, like, less ghost-written than, than a lot, uh, is called South. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very good. It's, you know, it's well-written. Um, and I read, I'm trying to think what else. Because the thing about South is it's it's the official report. So you won't, like, all the things about McNish complaining, mm-hmm. all that stuff, like, that was all left out. He didn't really talk smack about anybody yeah. uh, in it. Um, but you know, so I, I read about that from other sources. I'm trying to think because I, the other book that I remember reading is a biography of absolutely Cherry Garrard, who wasn't part of this. He was part of, uh, Scott's expeditions, um, and went on what is known as the worst journey in the world during one of them when he went on this trip to try and collect a penguin egg that just went like disastrously wrong and, nearly killed all of them i mean there's only three of them they were like kind of lobbied to make this little side trip and yeah. it was just awful um and so i yeah so i can't remember and there's actually a, if you like kim stanley robinson he wrote a book called antarctica that actually in which is you know set in antarctica obviously and it's a uh near future science fiction and global warming type thing going on but the characters are always discussing this stuff mm-hmm. you know and he talks about how this is like the you know Antarctica has such a short history that anybody can learn all of it and they all have opinions about Scott versus Shackleton and Scott versus Amundsen and all this sort of thing. That actually sounds great. Like I have never had any interest in that book, but you just like put it in a way that I'm like, Oh, it's like, you know, in the Mars books when they're all like arguing about stuff Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's the Kim Stanley Robinson joint. There's some arguing. Oh, <laughs> sweet. All <laughs> yeah. right. Well, I think that about does it for Shackleton. Yeah. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with something else. Lawrence of Arabia? Maybe? No. Or are we... 
we're really good at this <laughs> uh by the way we will look it up <laughs> at any rate until next time up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out